everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 19. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Emil Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? Not bad, Greg. A little bit cold where I am today, but I think that's probably generally the case in Western Canada today. How cold is it? Well, we woke up to minus 35 and the forecast doesn't have it warming up for a few days. So we're we're kind of in the deep freeze for most of this week, I think. Wow, that's pretty cold. I know here uh, we're going up to plus nine, I believe, in Ontario. So that should be, uh, we're going to have a, a warm one, probably with some rain. So, well, those kind of temperatures, I'd imagine, although we're talking about week 19 this week, I don't know what the weather was like in week 19, but we definitely saw some slippage from both CN and CP. What did you see in week 19, Milt? Yeah, I think uh, slippage is a good term. TN, you know, was respectable, I would say, uh, at 80% order fulfillment, kind of at the low end of the range that they've been operating in for, you know, the better part of two months with with few exceptions. Uh, Not so good on CP. If you recall, we had seen a a nice bounce from CP in week 18 after a couple of uh, not so good weeks in week 16 and 17 when they were down in the low 70s for order fulfillment. They had pushed that up to 84% uh, in week 18, but, uh, you know, revert, reverted to form, if you will, unfortunately, in week 19, coming in at 76%. So, yeah, you know, the weather wasn't particularly bad in week 19. We did have some cold weather in the West, but, you know, frankly, nothing like what we're seeing right now, but that may have contributed a little bit, uh, not sure. But more broadly, I think what we need to focus on is the fact that uh, for CN, Despite the fact they hung in at 80% in week 19, the trajectory on performance for them is pretty much down for the better part of the last four weeks. You know, they were operating in the high 80s, then the mid 80s, and now they're down to 80%. So that's not a good trajectory. Of course, time will always tell to see if they can turn the corner on that. And for CP, you know, it's just erratic, I guess is probably the best word to describe it. They haven't been particularly good for the better part of uh, two and a half months now, but they've been up and down lots. Their downs tend to be uh, more extreme than their ups. You know, we haven't seen them, I don't think, north of 85% or so for pretty much since September. And what we're seeing today uh, is not going to help their efforts, to be sure. When we look inside the numbers for CN and CP for week 19, uh, the story, for the most part, the same uh, for both railways, and that was the Vancouver corridor. Demand, as we know, has been heavy uh, to Vancouver all year, and week 19 was no exception. When you put the two railways together, you know, demand in the Vancouver corridor was just shy of 6,000 of the 10,000 total cars ordered for that week by shippers, and uh, neither railway did particularly well servicing that quarter in week 19, CN 70%, CP 75%. And that kind of wrote the story because, uh, I mean, when one corridor dominates demand uh, by that much and you don't perform there, it's hard to make it up in smaller corridors. And that's pretty much what we saw. The other issue that's worth highlighting, I think, coming out of work uh, week 19 is the issue of outstanding order counts. Now, this has been an issue for CP for quite a while now. Uh, we've talked about this before, uh, and it goes hand in hand, of course, with poor order fulfillment performance. CN, unfortunately, seems to have joined the party, uh, so to speak, on this issue. They'd been pretty good in, in keeping that number low uh, week to week until, let's say, the last four weeks, uh, 
part of how they kept that number low was through some regular rationing of orders, which we've seen, I think, in 10 of the last 12 weeks. But coming out of week 19, they've hit the high water mark uh, for them this year. Uh, they're coming into week 20 with uh, more than 800 outstanding orders, which is up from 672, I think, the week before, and up from the 500s and the 300s in the two weeks prior to that. So the trend is not good. And CP, you know, has, has had issues here, as I said, for a while. We thought we were seeing some progress over the last couple of weeks, but then they kind of turned south in week 19. And again, you know, hand in hand with the poor order fulfillment. So they're coming into week 20 carrying more than 1,500 outstanding orders. And that's the third time in the last four weeks that that number for CP has been at that level. So this issue, as we know, based on experience over prior years, uh, is problematic. Once you start rolling down the wrong road, it's difficult to turn and catch up on a backlog like that. And that's at the best of times. So with the cold weather that's set in, you know, in Western Canada, pretty much from the Manitoba-Ontario border right to the coast, it's going to make that an even bigger challenge uh, for both railways. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what we see in week 20 and week 21 over the next couple of weeks. But this weather is not going to help that effort. Uh, and in fact, in the near term, might make it worse. So something worth watching. Yeah, thanks, Milton. We'll get into it a little bit later. But it's, you know, once we see this weather hit and, and we see uh, or potentially see some issues arise, it's going to be around recoverability. So. Let's dive into provincial performance. Pretty uneven this week. Did you anything catch your eye? Yeah, uh, you know, the second week in a row, I think, uh, fair to say, where performance has been a little volatile for both railways across the provinces. CN, much as we're seeing at the system level, they're kind of on the same trajectory over the last three weeks at the provincial level, Alberta and Manitoba in particular. They've kind of held even in Saskatchewan, um, although performance in Saskatchewan over the last three weeks wasn't, uh, or over the prior two weeks, wasn't as good as it was in the other provinces. And, you know, this week turns out to be the best at 82% for CN. But in Alberta and Manitoba specifically, um, CN's numbers have come down quite significantly over the last uh, two weeks. If we go back to week 17, they were 95% in Alberta. Week 18, that dropped to 86. Week 19, they're down to 79. Manitoba, even worse, arguably, they had two weeks in a row, 17 and 18 at 99%, and then came in with a resounding 74% in week uh, 19. And as I said a minute ago, Saskatchewan just kind of flat over the last three weeks, kind of hovering between 79 and 82%. So I guess the positive note there is steady, if nothing else. CP is a little bit different on that front. You know, the trend is similar, just in different places. They continue to perform the best in Alberta. You know, go back to week 17, they were in the mid-80s. They got that up to 98 and now 99. Uh, so it's interesting to see their performance declining quite significantly on a system basis. And yet in Alberta, it's rising. And, you know, there are some folks who think they understand why that is. Manitoba and Saskatchewan, unfortunately, are different stories. Manitoba has just not been good at all for CP for the better part of two, almost three months now. If we go back to week 17, you know, 50%, if we, and then go forward 74% in week 18, we thought we were seeing a little daylight uh, on that front, but then they came in week 19 at 61%. 
So they've just kind of gone the other way. And Saskatchewan has been straight downhill for CP over the last three weeks, going from 86 to 74 to 71. So uneven, um, you know, Alberta shippers, for the most part, continue to see overall the best performance from both railways. And I think Manitoba and Saskatchewan can best be described as, you know, volatile and, and poor. The issues at the provincial level are not really different, and you wouldn't expect them to be necessarily than what we're seeing at the system level. For the most part, as it was at the system level, Vancouver was the driver. Uh, CP and CN both did poorly in that corridor, uh, pretty much across the board, other than CP in Alberta, where they were great, obviously, because all of the demand was for Vancouver, and they came out at 99%, so that's kind of an outlier on that argument. But the one exception really uh, was CP in Manitoba. What drove their performance way down this week was their performance in the Thunder Bay corridor, which we know is a key one for Manitoba, uh, particularly at this time of year as you know the seaway is getting ready to close. So whatever product is left to move through that port is looking to do that now. Thunder Bay dominated demand. I think it was almost 70% of demand uh, in week 19. For CP in Manitoba and CP fell flat, I guess is the only way to put it, 64% order fulfillment. And when you put that together with 0% order fulfillment in the U.S. corridor coming out of Manitoba, that pretty much wrote the story for them this week. Yeah, that's a tough view, tough numbers, but especially because, you know, you would imagine the sales programs that shippers are putting on that need to move through that Eastern corridor or through Thunder Bay, uh, you know, they need that, they need that to hit uh, Thunder Bay, you know, in these coming weeks, right? So any kind of missing, any kind of low order fulfillment uh, really puts the pressure on to, to, uh, for those shippers who need to execute on that, because that the CUA will be, will be closing potentially in the next uh, couple of weeks. So not great. And I think it's a running theme for Manitoba, particularly where we do tend to see these kinds of um, low numbers uh, year to year. So a bit problematic. Looking forward, uh, we've talked a lot about demand this year and that it's been um, not necessarily as high as we always expect all the time. Um, we're heading into a bit of a, you know, a traditionally potentially quieter period with the holiday season over the next couple of weeks. What, uh, what are you seeing so far in, in your, the, the demand numbers for week 20 and 21, Milt? Uh, yeah, they're, they're coming down for sure. CN, uh, I would say, uh, coming down faster and more steadily than uh, CP. You know, CN has been anywhere between 4,500 and 4,900 or 5,000 uh, hopper car orders a week, you know, kind of week in and week out since peak season started in early to mid-September. But they've been coming down the last couple of weeks. And when we look forward to week 20, that number's come down quite dramatically. It's They're going to be at 4,000 cars based on the numbers that we can see in week 20. And then another drop in week 21 down to 3,500. CP generally is tracking down as well, um, you know, a little less steady downward trend, if you will. They're still looking at about 6,000 plus orders in week 20, but then a big drop to 5,300 in week 21. As you say, given the time of year, uh, there's two forces that are uh, probably acting on this trend. Uh, one is the pending closure of Thunder Bay. So if orders are not in uh, in week 21, Thunder Bay, it's highly unlikely that, you know, by the time week 22 rolls around, which is going to be Christmas and then the week after Christmas, 
that the seaway is still going to be open, particularly if, you know, winter is getting as bad out there as it is here. So that's one, one issue. The holiday period tends to slow demand down. That's not unusual. And then, you know, the other issue is, is how much demand are the railways uh, accepting? Um, that's more an issue with CN. When we see CN numbers drop this fast and this hard, given their past behavior, you always wonder if it's because they're rationing orders and that's why the numbers are low. Unfortunately, we don't tend to have a lot of visibility on that until we're actually measuring the week. So I guess by the time we get to the end of this week and we're calculating performance for week 20, we'll have some, some better insight as to whether the, uh, the lower demand is in fact you know, a, a true reflection of, of lower market demand or other, other factors are at play most notably rationing. So trending down, and I would expect that to stay until we get through the New Year's period. So probably starting to work its way back up a little bit, starting, you know, either the first week in January or the second week in January. So it's clear that a lot of the pictures pointing towards some difficulty over the next couple of weeks. Now, obviously, hopefully that doesn't happen, but if it does, uh, can you talk a little bit about recoverability? What should we look be looking for, Milt, uh, around recoverability as far as the railways getting back on track after a potentially difficult period? What should we expect? Yeah, that's always the challenge, right? We know from experience and history tells us that when you get into this time of year, particularly with this kind of weather, that there is just a generic slowdown in the system. If they have not already, uh, the railways will be putting into place their winter operating plans, uh, which means they will start to restrict train lengths, which means capacity will go down, cars will turn more slowly. And when you put those factors together, it basically means that there's lower capacity uh, with respect to shippers being able to order cars and ship cars. So, you know, we accept that and that happens every year to some extent, how bad it is typically depends on how severe the weather is, but it happens. So the issues always, uh, once we get through those periods, you know, depending on how much performance has slipped, is how well equipped the railways are to recover. They don't have a tremendous track record over the last number of years to demonstrate resiliency uh, within their systems. So once the pain starts, it tends to last for unfortunately an extended period of time. I mean, we saw that even last year and last year was, you know, the lowest demand year we've seen in probably a decade. But despite that, you know, performance uh, went down starting in December, although it, to be fair, last year, it, it was triggered by the track outages between Kamloops and, and Vancouver. But the reality is even once those tracks were open and trains were running, and they returned to full capacity, that poor performance, you know, went on and on and on well through January, February, and into March. So when we know that the system generally is going to start to contract, you kind of need to have all the arrows pointing in your direction in order to minimize the disruption and to speed the recovery of the system. And unfortunately, right now, all of the arrows are not pointing in favor of the railways. And there's two things that I would highlight in particular. One is what we call idle car counts. As you know, ATC puts out a daily network status report that looks at the traffic that's moving every day uh, in all the different corridors. And when we ran that report this morning, 
uh, what we saw was that uh, cars dwelling for more than 48 hours, which is usually a trigger that something's going on. Uh, that number is just about at 2,000 cars this morning. And more worrisome, frankly, is the fact that that number has doubled in the last 48 hours. It's been higher than probably it should be for a number of weeks now, but this is getting very high. And given the weather that we've got, I wouldn't be very surprised to see that number get even larger over the next 48 to 72 hours. So that creates a problem because if cars are sitting for extended periods of time, whether or not it's happening at origin or it's happening en route. And today there's, uh, I think, just a thousand of those 2000 cars are actually dwelling at origin stations. So they're not even getting on the road, so to speak, to get to their destination. You know, it means that your capacity is reduced even further. The second issue, you know, which we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is this issue of outstanding orders. Heading into week 20, the railways combined are carrying 2,400 orders that they did not fill in week 19. And by the way, that, that number includes outstanding orders that go all the way back to week 16. So to the extent that that number is large, it takes away capacity from meeting current week demand. And we've been seeing this particularly with CP for weeks on end now. So that's going to be an added challenge. Now, the one out that the railways have to try and manage that, and, and CN is the one who's more likely to do it because they've done it in the past, will be to you know ration shipper orders. And while they accept that they take uh, you know the, the the pain on the front end with poor order fulfillment, what it does is it doesn't create a backlog of orders that they need to fill down the road. It's a strategy they've employed before. It's a strategy they've been employing this year. So if the railways choose to do that, it will, you know, help solve half of their problem. But at the end of the day, it's going to be about those two things and how quickly they can knock those numbers down in order to get the system back up and running with quote unquote normal service levels. And then, of course, the second question is, what will that look like? My guess is, if history is a good indicator, that Things are going to get worse before they get better. And if they get too much worse, it's probably going to drag well into January and February, which would not be a good thing. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see for sure uh, as we as we move on and um, especially with that kind of weather that you're experiencing. So thanks for your insight again, Milt. And for those who would like to see the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. We will not be doing a podcast next week but hopefully we will talk to you in january hopefully everyone has a good holiday season and uh talk to you all soon bye